Welcome to the Teaching Excellence podcast hosted by me, Steph Tinsley, Quality Improvement Specialist working in further education. I'm interested in high quality education, professional development, culture and innovation, so we can really make a difference through the work that we do. Each week I'll be reflecting on conversations I've been having with others, or will be joined by people doing great things in education and beyond to share their experiences and freshest thinking with you all. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Teaching Excellence podcast. Um, I hope you've been having a good few weeks of term and I hope you're well. Um, I'm back with episode two and I wanted to talk about initial assessment. So the plan was originally to maybe record every week, but those of you who know me, um, I like to do things quite organically. So um, last week was um, a bit of a busy week and I was out and about traveling. And so I just didn't get around to recording the podcast, but I'm never going to apologize for that um, in terms of, you know, they'll come out when they come out and um, I'll always have wait till I've got something really useful and important to say. Um, although I've been thinking about initial assessment um, for quite some time. Um, I've been working on initial assessment with various teams and colleges since uh, the be- before summer. And we've been having that conversation about initial assessment um, probably in a different way since back in... 2018 I would say when I was involved in the initial development and involved in implementation of the first wave of T-levels so um, the the conversation around T-levels has allowed for things to be thought about slightly differently and I really have enjoyed um, that process over the last five years thinking about how we implement T-levels and how we do things differently and um, initial assessment is one of those things where we can really think about knowledge, skills and behaviour development but we can also think about holistic development and holistic start points in a slightly different way so I wanted to talk about initial assessment I was wondering if it's too late but actually what I realized was I was thinking it might be too late because people think about initial assessment in the first week of term and actually it's therefore more important that I talk about initial assessment now because initial assessment or gathering a picture of a learner's start point is a process it's not a one activity thing and the we have you know the first six seven eight weeks to gather a really detailed picture of a learner's start point so um it's never too late um i don't think to talk about initial assessment because um we can also reflect on what we have done once we've got past um half term but what i did want to raise is that we do still have a couple of weeks um, or a few weeks before half term and it's that it's now that we can do something about it and we can now reflect on what we have gathered in terms of the information about our students and we can decide if there are any pieces to the jigsaw puzzle that are missing. So um, before I launch even further into initial assessment, um, I often get asked what's been going on, what have you been up to? Um, 
so I just thought I'd I'd share some of the things I have been have been doing over the last couple of weeks. So, um, most of my work is focused on support and development um, with colleges and with teams specifically within those colleges often um and some of you'll know that I have a land-based background so um that's often a feature of my work but um we've been working a lot on teaching learning communications um how do we effectively support new staff how do we um raise the standards if you like in a way that also encourages people to have autonomy and be curious about they how they develop their practice so it's a web of stuff um but a big part of what i think is really important and and some of the conversations i've been having in different places is how we best support new staff um, and that's probably a whole other episode um i feel really strongly about that there has to be like lots of layers of support for new staff it has to reflect the complexities of teaching learning practice development as i often call it um and we have to recognize people as people who need support, who need to feel um, supported and listened to and valued. So yeah, a whole other podcast episode, but that's been part of some thinking that I've been doing and working on um, induction processes, I suppose, which which links in with, with student induction and those themes that I talked about last week. Um, but I suppose, um, you know, thinking about how we best support staff and how we um, provide a significant, useful, effective induction. Um, And you don't have to look too far for evidence-based practices. Um, I'm an advisory board member at Collective Ed, which is um, the centre for professional development, coaching and mentoring. I've probably got that in the wrong order. Um, And if Rachel's listening, then she'll know that I've got it in the wrong order. However, um, it's all about coaching and mentoring and professional development in education. And there are lots of working papers and lots of discussions and um, events that people can attend online um, to have those conversations about how we best support teachers. And often um, some of that discussion is about uh, new staff so um it's not the only place but um uh it's important that we develop induction processes and support frameworks that are meaningful but i suppose um in today's episode we'll be talking a bit more about initial assessment and hopefully um this will help new staff as well as existing staff understand how we develop that process my intention for today is that um, based on some of the discussion and my reflections and as ever my podcasts are my freshest thinking my opinions um and where i make reference to evidence-based practice i'll always talk about where i get it from hopefully if i remember um but no i'll try to and um just give reference to some of the things i've been reading or thinking about or people that have said things but ultimately um this episode is about initial assessment and my experience i suppose and my thinking over the last five years and then um, hopefully, as I said, my intention is that people get to reflect on that, have a look at what they have gathered in terms of initial information, and then can reflect on 
on how in the next couple of weeks um, maybe gaps can be filled if there are any gaps in the process at the minute. So I launch in, um, although saying that I haven't done full updates, um, in other news I um, successfully transferred from MPhil to PhD which is um, super exciting and I'll talk a little bit more about my research in another episode um, but I've been also developing courses for um, sort of on-demand training that I feel really passionately about at the minute so um, one of those courses will be for teaching and learning coaches and teaching and learning leads those people who support teams individuals to develop teaching and learning practice um, and I'm going to do another one probably with a collaborator um, a friend that I've met fairly recently but she's um, a mindset and lifestyle coach but we're going to um, record some training for personal tutors or anyone who's a progress coach that type of role and I'm excited about that because we're going to focus in on personal development in its widest sense and how we can develop the curriculum how we can really support students to develop as a whole person through that part of that pd that uh, personal development part of the curriculum so yeah i'm excited about that so initial assessment then why do i feel like it's important to talk about it well I feel like it's still misunderstood and I think it conversations I've been part of people say oh yeah we did initial assessment as part of um like a written assignment that that the students had to do and whilst um there are benefits to that it's quite a limited view of initial assessment so um you know one written assignment isn't going to give you um, that holistic picture of a learner's start point, although it will contribute to that. So you may be aware, um, you're most likely aware that the conversation really at the minute is focusing heavily on knowledge, skills and behaviours. And, you know, there's an argument that in focusing on knowledge, skills and behaviours in sort of an industry sense, we are limiting and, and channeling students in quite a transactional way to um, achieve qualifications that will boost the economy. And I've been watching that argument play out on Twitter a little bit, and um, I do feel some sort of way towards that um, argument, as in, you know, I, I can see how that is is quite true as well, and I agree with some of those points. Um, I'm quite against narrowing the curriculum um in any way shape or form and i'm very pro um you know getting students or helping students to figure out what they're interested in what inspires them where do they feel a positive energy what are they curious about what topics they enjoy um, rather than a message about what do you want to be when you're older um, I think that brings about a different mindset and, and you'll know as well as I do when you're 14, 15, 16, maybe all the way to 25 and beyond, you don't really know what you want to be. But if we frame the questions differently to, you know, what do you enjoy and what and, and dig into that um, with different types of questions, then we might get somewhere else with 
with um, how our students feel about themselves and feel about how and where they want to go in the future. So um, I also think though that the framework around knowledge, skills and behaviour is quite a useful one because you can broaden that if you want to. And so when we talk about knowledge, skills and behaviours, that isn't necessarily just lifted from a specification or a curriculum that's um, part of a qualification. It's, um, it's important that we think about that in its widest sense. So the work that I've been doing with colleges, um, I talk about initial assessment in terms of where where to start, it is a start point. We talk about evaluating a learner's start point, but it's also important to think about what the end goal is for our students. So who do we want them to be when they leave the course? Who do we want them to be when they move to their next steps? That um, conversation allows us to make lists of the knowledge, skills and behaviours that we would quite like them to develop over the course over the period of time that they're with us now i think it's important to broaden that conversation so the knowledge skills and behaviors are wider than what's going to get them a job in the industry that they're interested in you know i am a, a human potentialist uh, i suppose is you know i believe in human potential and part of that conversation is that as people um we need to develop um you know some people call them softer skills there's a whole argument about that as well but it's important that we develop them those holistic people centered um personable skills and you know thinking it, you have for me it's about thinking in a different way so in a you know in its widest sense what are the knowledge skills and behaviors that you know you want your students to leave with and that can then inform the start point that you gather about them because if that's the end goal then you need to know where they're starting in line with the things that you want them to achieve in the in the end. So it gives you then a clear journey to be able to map, okay, so this is where we want to get to, and therefore this is the start point, and then we can map and track and monitor and, and moni- uh, watch progress over time in relation to where we're trying to get to. So I think it's important that, you know, if you're... A, a bit unsure about where to start or if your initial assessment is broad enough or is ambitious enough then you've thought about who you want your students to be at the end and you've thought about why you want to include those knowledge skills and behaviors as part of that overall aim in the long term just a note on that though if you do um, decide especially as a team on the most important knowledge skills and behaviors for example for your level threes or for your level twos or for your HE students it's important that you then communicate that with your students so they start to build this picture of like where they're aiming for what you think is important but also why those skills are important some of the useful resources um that I've I've sort of signposted people to. There's some nice articles on the World Economic Forum around skills for the future and jobs of the future. And there's one article in particular, which um, 
helps to broaden that sense of wider skills and knowledge and especially I probably like it because it's got a specific part of the quadrant that is about self-regulation and personal development and um that's leadership of self I think they call it and um, I'll I'll dig out the link and I'll put it in the um in the notes underneath the episode of the podcast because I do I think it's really useful to think about you don't have to use all of them for your initial assessment but for your industry you might pick up on a couple of them that you think actually they're really nice holistic skills that we're going to embed as part of our curriculums so um yeah the world economic forum is quite a nice um, place to broaden thinking around what are the knowledge skills and behaviors we want our students to leave us with but then that informs the knowledge skills and behaviors you need to evaluate as a start point so that you can you know map that that learner journey across time so um all of this is is part of the communication that we need to have with students um, I think I mentioned last week when I was talking about the first six weeks, the importance of relevance and context. So every decision you make, everything you do with students, it's really important to explain the why. And so the why around initial assessment, it's really powerful to share with them what the um, ambitious future targets are around knowledge skills and behaviors and where you hope to help them get to and why these skills are really important in the industry and you can have employers back that up as well in terms of um, what they're looking for from their students and then that can help inform the students as to why certain things are happening in the first half term, why they're doing certain um, reflective tasks, why why they're carrying out certain practical tasks or knowledge-based tasks. And then, you know, you're asking them to reflect on that and score them. So probably just um, really useful at this point to talk about the power of reflective thinking and metacognition for example so um as part of that first six to eight weeks it's a really key time to develop the students reflective skills but that's not about saying okay now reflect on the practical task in the beginning you're you're more likely to need to scaffold that thinking to help them develop their reflective skills so think about how you do that as well through that through this first half term knowing that as we approach the next couple of weeks and 42 days um for effie you know we we have that pressure there um is to think about how do you encourage them to reflect so that there is lots of evaluation and lots of thinking about their initial start points and it's not just reliant on you and one task um, and one bit of feedback um hopefully um you've got skill scans so some of the really good work that's happening in colleges that I've worked with or that I talk to um each department and each course level have got a skill scan which is um ultimately a bit like a grid of knowledge skills and behaviors that they've determined are the most important slash the key knowledge skills and behaviors that the students need to develop over the course and then they use the first six weeks 
to really evaluate. Um, they design the activities, they design lessons around those knowledge, skills and behaviours and then they continuously reflect against that skill scan so that by the time they get to week six and that first initial progress point or progress review, they have a really comprehensive evaluation of where they're at with all the different knowledge, skills and behaviours. Now, it doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't need to be extensive beyond maybe the top five knowledge, skills and behaviours, like five knowledge, five skills, five behaviours to start with, if that's the main start point. If you're if you're starting from ground zero, um, you might start there. But and, and that would be doable um, if, you, if you haven't got that and you want to try and work towards that in the next couple of weeks, I think that's really doable to achieve, um, to come together quickly as teams to decide what are the top five knowledge, skills and behaviours for each level um, potentially and then use that grid to get students to do a significant and meaningful reflection as they work towards their first progress review and then you can think about how you capture that so one of the things that I'm talking to colleges about and helping them think through is how do you best use the systems to do justice to that first six weeks about how you've got to know your students and how can you do that in an effective sort of timely and efficient way because we all know that um, you know, systems and filling in systems can take up quite a bit of time and, you know, it's part of the admin burden <laughs> that teaching staff experience. So, you know, how can you best capture that? How can you get students to capture that? And this is where, you know, using um, one of your personal development sessions or your tutorial sessions can really help to start um, develop those reflective skills with your students as to where and how they're going to capture their initial start point. So for me, I love the idea of learning journals. Um, apprenticeships do this really quite well in places where there is a weekly learning journal that students fill in. Again, the best ones that I see are where sh uh, tutors scaffold and support and ask powerful questions for students to answer each week and I don't mean that they create new questions every week I mean they've provided five to ten powerful meaningful questions reflective questions and the students then um, cr create their learning journal entry using some of those questions as prompts I don't think there's any reason why we can't do that with students um, and, and part of the practice in in person in course tutorial or personal development sessions could be that there's a 15 minute slot for meaningful reflection into their learning journal in the system the other way of capturing that is you know building your system to have the skill scan element in there or a scoring system that students can toggle up and down a scale or put a score in a box um, as to how they would rate themselves for each of the knowledge skills and behaviors Hopefully you can see that if you did that with the students in the first week, their reflections would be fairly superficial because they haven't experienced any of the course and they haven't experienced any of the lessons. But once they've experienced lessons over the first four to six weeks, they would have a better idea as to 
how well they understand certain core topics or concepts or how confident they felt in a particular practical um, and then you can get them to reflect on that and, and reflect meaningfully in that space to get a really good idea of their initial start points. The key to really good goal setting is the depth and accuracy and um, effectiveness of that of that reflection and the feedback from lessons and from tutors and from peers and from themselves so that self-reflection is really powerful it's only once they've experienced things that, that that we can help them understand their initial start point with core knowledge skills and behaviors and then from that you build powerful and meaningful goals So um, again, another podcast episode, I'm sure about creating meaningful goals, but just in brief, we've seen for years that uh, students have set goals around attendance, around punctuality, around um, completing assignments, and the students are not inspired by those goals. So they're very transactional, data-driven, our agenda often um, oriented goal setting. Um, where, where goals become really meaningful is where there's a big why related to those goals. So if you get initial assessment right and the first six weeks have been a real reflection on initial start points, they will start to develop and, and know which knowledge, skills and behaviours they need to develop going forwards and hone in on for that first you know, period of time up to Christmas. Again, we have to help them think through that and structure that. But ultimately if you've if you've included the why related to knowledge skills and behaviors in every lesson and you've and, and you've created um a space where you are relating learning to industry and the outside world beyond the qualification um then you are more likely to help them see why the goals that they set are significant so um yeah it's important to think about how you structure that first six weeks how you get a comprehensive overview of of their holistic start points and that would include for me confidence mindset and you might have to dig into that a little bit more to define what that means to you and therefore what that means to them um but there might be something about attitude or self-belief in there as well there might be also um i really like the idea of focusing on positive so um thinking about how do we get them to identify their strengths and what they're good at and and it might be that they're not sure but their peers as they've got to know their peers and work with their peers in that first six weeks peers might be able to give feedback on what they think each other are good at so explore different ways of also focusing on the things that students are good at what their strengths are what their interests are what they've been curious about which topics they've enjoyed the most and that way we're starting to build a positive picture or a balanced picture of their initial start point rather than just focusing on deficit so what can they not do which knowledge and skills and behaviors are they poor at um we have a tendency to do that in education so the powerful stuff is where we balance it with all of the positive stuff so the strengths the interests what they're curious about what they're good at what they've found interesting um what they've surprised themselves with that sort of thing so 
Um, hopefully, um, you have a, a bit of an idea as to how I'm thinking about initial assessment. And hopefully, there's been a couple of key nuggets in there that will inspire you just to reflect on where are you at with initial assessment? What have what information have you gathered so far? And if you could do anything in the next couple of weeks to build a, a wider, bigger picture of, of initial assessment, or it might be that you've you're gathering that wider picture, that holistic picture, but at the minute your processes and systems possibly won't capture that very well for you. Um, have a think together as a team about how you might, by the time you get to that first progress review or first tu- personal tutorial, you will have a really good overview of initial start point and the students have inputted into that and see their responsibility in building that picture as well but also that you've captured it well and that it's going to create that really solid foundation for you to now track, monitor, reflect against progress over time. I hope you have a good rest of your week um, and I hope everyone is well. If you've got any questions or if you've got anything that you think would be useful to dig into a little bit more um, in Anchor, it's not called Anchor anymore. It's podcast for Spot, uh, Spotify for podcasters. I think it's hosted now, but I think it still lets you leave a voice note for me, and I really love receiving the voice notes. Um, I don't, re- I don't um include them back in the podcast, but I do get voice notes every now and again, and I really like um the feedback on the podcast or um just a discussion about the things that you're interested in or what's going on for you in terms of initial assessment for example um which which will fuel me going forwards um just to make the podcast as useful as possible because that's the aim it's always just about um putting different messages around quality and teaching and learning into the world that will inspire and help others to develop their practice and what they're doing so um I will see you possibly next week, um, but hopefully very soon. Thanks for listening to the Teaching Excellence podcast. If you want to leave a comment or join the conversation, I'd love you to leave me a voice message in the podcast app. I hope you enjoyed this episode and tune in next week for more.